What's up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham, and today I am joined with Justin Treese and Riley O'Brien. Doug decided to miss out on tonight because he got some type of important move to help his future and you know pursuing a dream. But blah 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 blah. Doug, hope you're having fun. Uh, let's go ahead and get right on into this here, Treese and Riley. Um, we do want to start off with something we saw off Twitter. We tried to come up with a name, but then we kind of realized, hey. We're not going to try and steal this idea. We like it. We'll just run through it on our own. So, uh, Therese, why don't you kind of go ahead and run us through it? This is going to be a breakdown of our teams and players. So, for instance, we will start out with who is a breakout player on our teams? Who do we think it's going to be? You get to name one player, and you can't name the same player multiple times during this segment. So, Austin, I will start out with you. Who do you got as the Chiefs breakout player? Um, it's going to be pretty obvious. I think, you know, if you are a Chiefs fan and you know the team and what direction they went in this offseason, they definitely went in the defensive direction. They signed they signed Tyron Matthew uh, after hiring Steve Spagnuolo, so I think that was a huge move for them. So for me, the breakout player, I have Tyron Matthew just because I think he's going to come in and dominate. He was recently uh, in an interview, and he said that he – is more excited about this upcoming season than he has been in the past just because he's going to be used in a similar situation as he was in his early years in Arizona. And so he says he's super excited, can't wait. You know, he's just itching to play because he's going to be everywhere on the field, kind of like he was in Houston, but more in a role that he's comfortable with. Instead of being like, hey, play here, hope you're going to do okay. So I think he's going to come in, tear it up. He's going to be the leader for the Chiefs, which they desperately need right now with all the noise going on. He did answer about that as well in the interview, and he handled it professionally, which was great. So I think he's going to have a breakout season, and a lot of people are going to be talking about the Chiefs' defense this year instead of as much as the offense like they were this past season. Great pick there, Austin. I totally agree with you. Riley, who do you got as the Lions' breakout player? Yeah, so there's a couple options, but I think I'm going to go with Jared Davis because I think that you know, for a long time I was thinking that they were going to go defense round one, and – you know, Jared Davis, Bob Quinn was talking the other day about uh, when he was recapping the draft, how he drafted certain players for Jim Caldwell's scheme that he isn't drafting now for Matt Patricia's. And I know the leadership in Detroit, everybody loves Jared Davis. He's one of the first guys there to work out. Um, I think that with an offseason of planning and I think uh, with Patricia's coaching that he will definitely lead the team in tackles this upcoming year and just have more consistency all 16 games. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'm a big Jared Davis fan. So I like that for me and the Jags, I'm going to go with one of the newest members of the Jaguars and it's going to be Josh Allen. I think that I've mentioned this plenty of times. People are probably sick of hearing it, but Yannick Ngakwe on one side, you're going to move Clayus Campbell into the middle. You still got Marcel Darius, that opposite side is gonna be is gonna be getting one on ones, and it's gonna be Josh Allen. And the way that Campbell and Yannick can motivate people, not to mention what Jalen's doing in the back, barking, and you got Miles, Miles Jack, and Telvin Smith barking, 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 and he's gonna want to get after that quarterback, and he's going to want to prove his worth at the number seven overall pick. So for me, it is Josh Allen. That's a perfect setup for. Uh... Josh Allen, because as a rookie going into a, a unit like Jacksonville's where you can excel in your role, just do what you're really good at and be part of potentially the best defense in the NFL. Like 
it's a ready-made situation for Josh Allen. And that that's a really good point there, Riley. Um, I think he might be the one rookie that was drafted in the top 10 that's going in a perfect situation for him to succeed yeah. right off the bat and is going to make the other nine teams in the top 10 regret not taking him early just because he's going to have so much success early on bearing injury. You know, I'd hate for this to be a Dante Fowler situation where he comes in the first practice and rips his ACL because they're like, Hey, you know, we just drafted you, but we want to see you go as hard as you fucking can and then destroy your knee. <laughs> so uh, bearing that situation, I think, you know, going off what Riley said, that's a perfect situation for him to be in. Agreed. Agreed. All right. The next one is the comeback player on your team. So Austin, since you went first, we'll have you go first again. Who is the Chiefs comeback player? Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say Armani Watts, um, the safety that they drafted out of Texas A&M last year in the sixth round. Uh, the Chiefs obviously were dealing with safety issues this past season with Eric Berry sitting out due to injury. Continue and maintain valuable reps for the Chiefs defense. Um, I think Therese is going to know that pretty well since he was able to break up you know, one of those key passes from Bortles that somehow did get to the the receiver on time, but Watts was there to make a play. And then he went down with an injury and had, I believe it was a groin injury and he had to have surgery. So the season was over right there after that following game. So I think he comes back this next year and, you know, he's got a lot of play, you know, they drafted Juan Thornhill, a guy who does show some range, does show good, you know, play from the safety. So I think Armani Watts is going to come in and show, Hey, I can handle this position and I am ready for it. So I do believe he will be the one that comes back and people are sitting here going, man, the Chiefs have some good safeties right now. I am a huge fan of Amar- Amarni Wat- Watts. Oh, jeez, I can speak, I promise. But uh, watching that game against the Chiefs when the Jags were playing him, he really did stand out to me. So love that. Riley, who do you got for your, the Lions comeback player? Matthew Stafford. Last season was an underwhelming season for him. He's a better quarterback than he played last year. All that being said, this season he needs to get the Lions to the playoffs and win a playoff game. Otherwise, uh, Detroit starts looking for a new quarterback. I'm confident in him. I'm very confident in him. I'm hopeful, but I I believe he's got the talent. Removing the emotion, everything from it, it's like, okay, man, you've had enough opportunities, so it's it's a huge year for him, and I think he'll respond well. Yeah, like you said, he has to respond. If he doesn't, he's gone. Like, it's plain and simple. Like, you can't be the number one overall pick 12 years ago and still not have a playoff win. Honestly, honestly, I'm shocked that he's still the Lions quarterback. And I'm with you. He has has talent, but I don't know a team that's been more forgiving and, like, willing to keep sticking it out than the Lions with Stafford. And I know that, like, you can say, like, he's never had a defense, and I get that, never had a running game and all that. But in the end, he was the highest-paid quarterback for some time, number one overall pick. You wasted – I don't want to say waste. You used a number one overall pick thinking this guy can overcome these deficits on the team to get you a playoff win. I'm not saying a Super Bowl. I'm just saying a playoff win. Yeah, exactly. That – that's the thing. When when they gave him that contract, it made sense. I think any like logical football fan would say, yeah, they've they've got to pay him. He's he's been the best quarterback in franchise history. But yeah, a couple years has passed since then, and now it, it is at that crossroads. And if you know if it doesn't pan out for him with the Lions this upcoming year, he still has I don't know seven eight years to go play somewhere else potentially. But yeah, they you're right. It's plain and simple that they, they've been very forgiving 
And uh, it's just a point where he has to get it done this year or, you know, or the change comes. Yeah, for sure. All right. This one was tough for me as a Jags fan. I wanted this player down at a different portion, which you guys will hear later, but I'm going to go with him now. So comeback player of the year. I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. He was injured a lot of last year, really just didn't play well when he was playing like, yeah, he had a couple good games with some touchdowns and over 100 yard total yards, not rushing yards, but total yards. Um, and then he decides to go get in fights during the Bills game and get suspended and whatnot. So he needs to come in and he needs to prove why they took him in the top five overall. And they he really needs to just come in and prove that he can be healthy because that's one thing he hasn't done. Didn't do it in college either. So I don't know why anybody would expect anything less. But he needs to come in, and if this team is really still going to be ground and pound, but then at least have a quarterback that can make plays, like Fournette, you're the guy. They got rid of Yeldon. They got rid of Hyde. They got rid of Corey Grant, which nobody's talking about. That's actually a big loss. I'm actually surprised he hasn't signed anywhere because he's like a total mismatch. But Leonard Fournette, that's my comeback player. Austin, rising star, who do you got? Um, I have Dorian O'Daniel as a Chiefs rising star. He was a linebacker out of Clemson that the Chiefs drafted last season. He was able to come in and you know hold some valuable reps for the Chiefs defense. Once again, similar to what I said for Armani Watts, uh, he went down with an injury, missed the last two, three games of the season, missed all the playoffs. And I do think that was a detrimental part of the Chiefs defense against the Patriots and even against the Colts at times just because he has the speed to cover running back out of the backfield. And we all know that New England loves to throw the ball to the running back. They love to just drop it off and go get those extra yards. Dorian O'Daniel was at a point last season, later in the year, where he would have at least one or two hits, and you would just go, dang, this guy's pretty good. Like, this could be the future of the Chiefs linebacker. This is another Derek Johnson-type guy, if all goes well. Because he has the speed, you know, to play – as a safety down in the box, he can defend against the run. He's not the strongest guy, but he still has that ability. So I see him as a rising player this year for the Chiefs, coming off an injury, getting to play in this new system again. I think the Chiefs last year kind of had a mindset of, hey, we're probably not going to have this defensive coordinator more than this next season. So let's go ahead and draft for the future. We know we want to change the scheme up. We're already in a 3-4. We're probably not going to go back to that. So let's get guys here. And that was the same thing with this next guy that I'm going to go with. But, uh, Riley, I want to hear who your rising star is for the uh, the lines this coming season. Yeah, so this is a tough tough one to decide. The two names, I'm sure you guys could guess them for me. It's, it's uh, on Johnson. But I'm actually going to say Kenny Galladay because I think – I don't know that we're ever going to see on Johnson stay healthy for a full season. I think he'll have an, uh, a really good year this year, but I think that Kenny Galladay is now the Lions' number one receiver. I mean, you can argue Mar- Marvin Jones, but Stafford has already shown a trust in Galladay. I mean, he's throwing up some balls that he used to throw up to Calvin. Just let him go, use his athleticism, make a make an extended reach and you know grab it at the goal line, all kinds of tough catches. So I think Galladay's the, the guy for the Lions because he's going to be the number one guy receiving. Yeah. He's going to be big time this year, um, like you were saying. I mean, they're going to be pass happy, I still think. 
and he's going to have to be the big play guy for them. For me, rising star is going to be D.D. Westbrook. He already started becoming that guy last year for the Jags, and I think he's just going to be even better with Nick Foles throwing to him. I mean, this dude is tough as nails and a third down machine. I think that he's going to be, he's going to turn into that Golden Tate in my eyes is where like everybody's like, man, this guy, like he'll only catch passes like five yards down the field, but then he always makes it like 15 to 20 yard gains. And I just, I mean, I feel like that's DD Westbrook to a T at this point. And he's, you know, he's smooth, he's quick, he's small. I just think that. He, I think a lot of people are going to like really be considering D.D. Westbrook like a top 25 wide receiver at the end of this year. How much is Nick Foles going to love having him? A lot. I mean, if if Josh Oliver doesn't turn into like the receiving threat at tight end that they want, I think D.D. Westbrook's going to be his guy. Obviously, they'll have Conley and Chark more down the field guys and across, but like the short short patterns, it's going to be D.D. and I think he'll yeah. like him. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. I remember when we first started, you mentioned that the Jaguars don't have a really good receiving core. And I disagree with that just because Aditi Westbrook, Shark, and then who are the other tall receivers? Lee, is he still on the team Mark, or was he released? Yeah, Marquise Lee. No, he's exactly. still on the team. He just had an injury this last season, so he didn't play, correct? Correct. Okay, perfect. So I remember when you mentioned that, it was just a – well, I don't know why you're saying this because you guys just didn't have a quarterback. And, you know, I've shit on Bortles enough, but, I mean, I feel like that was really the issue. You can't hit a guy 35-plus yards down the field on the dot. Yeah, it's going to look like you guys don't have a good receiving core. But with Nick Foles coming in, just like Riley mentioned, he's going to be excited to have these guys. And these guys are going to be excited to have Nick Foles, and that's going to be great. So I'll go ahead and take this into our next part here, the uh, the don't-forget players on the team. I kind of wish I would have switched this with the rising because rising I had Dorian O'Daniel. And then don't forget, I'm going to have Breland Speaks. This was the Chiefs' second-round draft pick last year. The draft picks last year, I think, were <laughs> really good. You know, I'm just going to keep sticking with that here. Three and thir- three in a row here. Uh, I think he's going to have a good year. He's a better fit in this system. He did show some promise last year. He's not the fastest guy. Definitely not the thinnest guy either, if you've seen him. Hopefully, he lost some weight and got in better shape this season, or this offseason heading into the year. But... He does have the potential to really just tear it up and be a force coming off the edge in the scheme, knowing that all he has to do is hit the gap, quarterback, see ball, get ball, instead of, okay, I'm going to stand up the offensive lineman, is the ball going left or right, then I'm going to hit that. Because by the time you react to that, the second line of defense is already there to get you out of the way, and the ball is blown past you, and that's why the Chiefs had so many issues against the run. So I think Breland speaks is going to be the guy here that you don't want to forget for the Chiefs. Even though they signed Frank Clark, they signed extra guys in the off or traded for Frank Clark and then signed other guys in this offseason that are edge players, don't forget about Brilliant Speaks here because he is going to be a guy that you're going to want to remember when the season comes up. Riley, who do you have as a don't forget for the Lions? So I've got Quandre Diggs. I think the Lions had kind of shuffled him around all over the secondary, but with Glover Quinn retiring... Uh, they're going to rely on Quandre Diggs for a leadership role, kind of fill the spot that Quinn held down. Quandre Diggs is a man. He's a tough guy. I want to say he's like five, eight, five, nine, but he will lay. I mean, he hits guys so freaking hard. It, it, it's awesome. Hear their pads pop and 
he's just flying around. He was a guy that had the pick six on the first play of scrimmage last year. And for like 30 seconds, I'm like, dude, this is our year. And then, you know, the Jets proceeded to just kick our ass. But that wasn't Quandre's fault. And uh, it's not going to be his fault this year. He's he's a really good safety, and I think he'll make a name for himself this year. And for the Jaguars, I'm going to cheat a little bit, everybody. I'm going to go with just the offensive line in general. I think that a lot of people also are forgetting like why the running game was so bad was because the offensive line was so hurt. Left tackle missed 15 games. Left guard missed like nine games. Center missed like eight games. Right guard didn't miss any games. No, wait, he missed the last game of the season. And then the right tackle missed some games. I can't remember how much Parnell missed. But at one point, four of the five starters had been out for multiple weeks with the one starter being there, AJ Can, who was the weakest offensive lineman we had. So I'm going to just say, don't forget about how good this offensive line can be. Um, and like Doug Marone, he's an offensive line coach as the head coach. He's going to get them ready. And as long as they stay, stay healthy, don't forget about them. All right. Our next one is what player needs to rebound on your current team? Austin, who's that guy that you're yelling at saying be better? Anthony Hitchens. They signed him last, last off season from the Cowboys as a free agent. That was a big name that they picked up. Everyone thought, man, he's coming up and he's going to be lining up with Reggie Ragland, who showed a lot of promise that season against the run. You know, was able to lay some big hits, was just re- reacting to the play so good and stopping and stopping plays. And then you bring in an Anthony Hitchens and you're thinking, man, the Chiefs are going to be great against the run. We're not going to have any problems. Guess what? Same issues happen. Anthony Hitchens is thinking too much. He's not reacting. He's getting blown up from offensive linemen once they reach the second level. He's knocked out of plays. He's not there in the passing game on, as a coverage linebacker. He's not even making any tackles. The season before, he didn't have any missed tackles at all. And then all of a sudden, it's just, what's going on? Why did we sign? Why did the Chiefs sign this guy for him to come in and not do what he's supposed to do, but he did so well in Dallas? Well, guess what he did in Dallas? They ran a 4-3 scheme. His defensive linemen are hitting the holes. You know what holes opening up. The running back's probably going to be there. Let me go meet him. He ain't getting anywhere else once he's in my grasp. And that's exactly what the Chiefs are doing this offseason. This entire scheme, and I've said this over and over and over, and I'm just pounding it into the ground. I'm, I'm just going to keep nailing this into the board, right? To where you guys are going to be like, dude, shut up. We got it. But I'm serious. Like This is going to be the difference for the Chiefs this year. And with Armani Watts, Dorno Daniel, Breland Speaks, and Anthony Hitchens, all these guys are going to be able to make a name for themselves in this new scheme. And Anthony Hitchens is a guy that needs to rebound the most because he did awful last year and they're paying him a shit ton of money to be bad. So if he can come in and be good this last season, forget about it. All right, it was a scheme. Bob Sutton's problem. No worries. If he does it two years in a row, hey, that's probably a bad signing by Veach and not a good look moving forward. And we need to figure a way or they need to figure out a way to get him off the books instead of paying him that much money. So that is definitely the guy that needs to rebound for the Chiefs. Riley, once again, who do you got for the Lions, man? Yeah, so I'm tempted to to do what Trees did and just, you know, the whole position group, the offensive line. I'll say Taylor Decker. I really like Taylor Decker. I was very happy when they drafted him. But with TJ Lang retiring, I think, you know, for Taylor Decker, like, this is your line. Just lead this group. 
they, the Lions actually had, I, I want to say through like six, seven weeks last year, Stafford was like the least sacked quarterback of any starting quarterback in the league, which was refreshing to see. And then they go play the Vikings and he got sacked like 11 times in that game. And then a couple weeks later, it happened again. And the offensive line just fell apart. Um, so the the whole entire offensive line, but specifically Taylor Decker, this is he's the most talented lineman that the Lions have. It's his line. It's his group to lead. So go lead them. Keep keep nine upright. Yep. I'm with you on that end as well. And uh, so this is what I was mentioning earlier about how this is kind of the segment or this area that I wanted to have Fournette that needs to rebound because he needs to rebound. But since I used him at comeback, I will use Taven Bryan as, as the needs to rebound. He was the first round pick last year and he literally did nothing all season given. I think it's because they were trying to play him out of a position that he's not familiar with. I think they're going to move him more into just sticking with the three technique. And I think that he'll have a lot more success which I think will be nice because that'll give it so Darius Campbell, him can kind of be switching off in that in the middle while we leave the two speedsters outside and then Campbell can come outside when one of those speedsters need a break. Still got Dwayne Smooth, but Taven Bryan, first round pick, you're a big boy, got a lot of strength on you, like make it be successful in the NFL, not just in a college game. Make make it so the Jags don't think that they wasted a first round pick on you. All right, now we're on to some two funner one, more fun funner. Funner is not a word, everybody. More two. Uh, so, anyways, dark horse MVP for your team. Who do you got, Austin? <laughs> Just funner. This is these are going to be funner. so much funner because they're so much stupider. <laughs> yeah. And dumber. Ugh, whatever. Whatever, everybody. Dumber, dumber is a word, but uh, I'll go ahead and move word. on to the, the dark horse MVP for the team. Um, I don't know how much of a dark horse this is, but this is definitely a guy that built up some recognition last season. You know, he had 11 games in a row with a sack that tied the NFL record. Uh, this guy is Chris Jones. This offseason, he's about to get paid a ton of money. And it's something I was just looking at now as I'm going over the Chiefs roster and kind of some news for the team. And this guy missed involuntary workouts due to the fact of, hey, you know, it's expected. He's about to get paid. Doesn't want to risk anything. So, But he's still working out on his own. He's working out with Le'Veon Bell, which is awesome to see. But at the same time, you're kind of thinking, man, this guy is going to be, you know, a lot of talking in his ear and he's going to try and get the most that he can. And dude, so forth. Get these players their money. They deserve it. They work hard for it. They don't play long careers, and if they do, man, that's awesome because so many guys get injured and they miss out on the year. That's a different rant. I have the Chiefs dark horse MVP, Chris Jones. He is going to be the leader of that defense. He's not getting talked about enough um, for the face of the NFL. On the defensive side of the ball, you know a lot of recognition goes to an Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox. Chris Jones is that next beast. I've said that before here, and I'm going to say it again. This dude is going to tear it up next year. Okay, he's massive and he's got abs right now. How many other defensive tackles besides Aaron Donald do you know that has abs? There's only two, all right? And <laughs> one of them plays for the Chiefs. So this guy has the potential to be an MVP-type player or in discussion if he can stay healthy this next season. 
Yeah, I, I honestly thought he was going to win Defensive Player of the Year last year when he went, what was it, 12, sec, 12 games in a row with a sack? 11 games? or 12, yeah. He tied the NFL oh. record. I thought he had broken it, but I can't count, so I think he tied it. Yeah. Well, we've already gone over that you can't count on this on this podcast, but that's fine. Uh, Austin, or I almost said Austin again. Riley, who do you have as the Lions' dark horse MVP? So I'm going to say, oh, man. I'll say Trey Flowers. Again, I don't know how how much of a dark horse that is, but you know that the pitch to him was the familiarity with Matt Patricia. Just coming in, taking his career to the next level. It's a win-win for him as the player and for Lions defensive unit. I'm still surprised that uh, they were top 10 defense last year. That's only the second time since 1993 that that's been the case. So Patricia's shown a lot in that aspect. So I think they're going to feature him, let him do his thing. Trey Flowers is my pick. Sweet, sweet. Mine is going to be Yanni Kangakwe. Everybody knows how important I think he is to this defense, and I think that he's going to be key to this. And two years ago, he led the league in strip sack fumbles and was in double-digit sacks. And I think part of that was not only because Malik Jackson – Jackson played better, but I do think that having that other speedster in Dante Fowler really helped him as well. So people weren't like having the running back come and chip on Yannick, which they were doing last year. So I think that they're not going to be able to do that. It's going to be just like they're going to just pick a formation and they're going to be like, hey, running back, whichever edge you're going up against, just chip that person. But they're not going to always be choosing Yannick like how they were last year. So Yannick Ngakwe. Dark Horse MVP for the Jags and Super Dark Horse for Defensive Player of the Year. Calling it now. I like and, it. I like it. And our last one here is going to be who is the under-the-radar player on our teams? So for my guy here for the Chiefs for underneath the radar, I wrote his name down, and then I started to think, ah, he's really not a smaller name that a lot of people don't already know. I went ahead and chose Sammy Watkins, just due to the fact that he was, you know, a key piece of that Chiefs offense last year that not a lot of people noticed, you know, outside of just the Chiefs fan base itself. Due to the fact that when he was injured, the Chiefs offense wasn't as efficient. It wasn't as productive before. A lot of that just could have been the fact of they have Tyree Kill over the top, Sammy Watkins underneath, you know, medium routes. Travis Kelsey's there. Tyree Kill was there at the beginning of the, or uh, excuse me, Kareem Hunt was there at the beginning of the season as well. That could have been a big part of it. But you notice the difference when Sammy Watkins wasn't a part of the receiving core for the Chiefs offense. So that's why I have him as underneath the radar because if he can't stay healthy this next season, but Sammy Watkins is a guy that did help this Chiefs offense and he will continue to help them. And I believe he will be the one that helps give this team to the next level to be better than they were last year. If he can stay healthy, that'll be a huge part. So that's why he's the underneath-the-radar guy for me, for the Chiefs. Riley, who's a similar guy you have for the Lions for your under-the-radar type player? So I know Treese's answer to this. I'm going to ask you, Austin. Do you know who Romeo Aquara is? Yeah, nope. All right, yeah. So I asked Treese last year. I'm like, do you know who Romeo Aquara is? So, yeah, so Romeo Aquara. So he Lions picked him up last year. He ends up playing 15 games. He started for 14 of them, and he had seven and a half sacks. The Lions gave him a two-year extension earlier this offseason. 
he's a he's a really good player. I was pleasantly surprised with him. I thought when they picked him up, uh, he's just you know it's another Giants player. The Lions picked up a few of them, and I thought that this is just a name to fill a fill a spot. But he ended up being very effective, and I think he's just going to be featured along. I, I really like the Lions' defensive line this year, but I think Romeo Aquara is the guy that of any player on the Lions, he's going to be the one that makes a name for himself this season. Cool, man. All right. Um, for me, it is going to be Chris Conley. They signed him free agency this year off of Austin's Chiefs. And I think that he, not a lot of people are talking about him. Um, a lot of people are super high on DJ Chark and obviously Westbrook, who we already talked about. But I think Conley is going to be kind of that uh, reliable guy on this offense that I think Nick Foles is going to like. So I'm going to go with Chris Conley, though. Awesome. That was a fun little exercise for us. Uh, anybody that all of our followers, if you guys want us to do another team, we'd be more than happy to do so in a, one of our next episodes. I think that'd be a lot of fun for us to do it for teams that maybe we're not as familiar with. I mean, hell, maybe we'll just do that even without people asking us. Um, another segment that, or not even a segment, another topic that I wanted to bring up is what I brought up last episode about why it was so important for teams to move up into the first round, and that's to get that fifth year option. Um, today, a few teams made decisions on if they were going to pick up that fifth year option um, from a draft from 2016. So last week, the Jags picked up Jalen Ramsey's surprise, surprise there. So he'll be around for another year. Then there's a few actually surprising ones. So Jack Coughlin from the Tennessee Titans, they did not pick him up, which was a bit of a surprise to me. Laquan Treadwell from the Vikings, no surprise, did not pick him up. That dude's been a bust. I mean, and with them having Diggs and Thielen, they don't really need him. Shaq Lawson from the Bills is the next guy. They did not pick him up, which I was a little surprised. I thought that Shaq Lawson has been a, had a pretty good career, but maybe it's my lack of Bills knowledge, and maybe he hasn't. But every time I watch a Bills game, he's always making some sort of play. And then Leonard Floyd for the Bears, and of course they picked him up. He has been exactly what they wanted out of him in their first-round pick. Um, there's obviously been more, but these are just the names that were brought up today. So we wanted to bring it up just because it's hot topics. Austin, you brought this up earlier with Chris Jones, not being at voluntary minicamp and being with Le'Veon Bell. And so I wanted to bring this up. Obviously, none of us think it's a big deal when people do not show up to voluntary minicamp. Like it's voluntary for a reason. But I personally find it a bit strange that Le'Veon Bell did not show up to the Jets' voluntary minicamp. You missed all of last year. You signed this big deal trying to prove that you're back and you're going to be the best back, but you don't show up to your first organized team activity. And again, I know it's, I know it's voluntary, but I felt like he could have really like set the tone for the Jets. And maybe I'm just overthinking it. Austin, what do you think? Yeah. Um, are they, does it all run on the same schedule? Like the NFL all together? Like this is a day that involuntary mini camps run together? Or is it separated by team? It's separated by team. So they're all like different days, but they're all like in this short window. So like the Jets was last week. Their voluntary camp was last week and he didn't show up. So, oh, he did not show up last week. Okay. So, 
Um, I didn't see the video last week. I just saw it this week uh, on both their uh, their Instagram stories of them being together and working out. And I believe they're down in Florida where they're working out. To me, you know, I get your point with the Jets. But personally, I just don't really think it's a big deal because he's been in the NFL long enough. You know what I mean? He's just going to go win. Be like, hey, you know, I'm the new running back, da 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 da. And what's he going to do? He's just going to do the workouts that the team has set for him. Maybe he hasn't been doing those type of workouts. So his body's not going to be used to that. And if he does do it and he tweaks or hurts something, who knows how long that'll affect the end of the season and end of the camp. You know what I mean? Affecting him overall because he's doing movements that he's not used to because this is how the team's strength coach has it facilitated and the coaches have their drill set up like this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to practice. Go hard. When in his workouts, he could be something he could be doing something totally different. And this right here is just him being able to know right now I'm not going to get hurt because I'm doing what my body's already used to and I'm preparing for the season my way instead of doing it my way, jumping into someone else's way, going back to my way, going back into their way, and you're ultimately just leaving yourself vulnerable for an injury because your body's going up, down, and being confused on the workouts and the movements that you haven't been working out. I know that's like a lot of the repetitive words and phrases, but hopefully that makes sense. It does make sense, but to me, it sounds like procrastination at its finest. Because if you're not going to do those drills now because you don't want to risk injury, but now you're going to keep doing what you're doing, but then you're going to do it come July for the first time, of course you're going to get injured in July when you haven't done it at all. If you're talking about if, say, they are doing different types of workouts Mm -hmm. and movements, Mm -hmm. I just feel like you – I feel like as a player you'd want – if you've sat out for a year, you'd want to at least go through – it's two days. Like, go through it for two days, and then you kind of get your body back used to it rather than waiting until July when if you tweak something or do hurt something, now you're far too late. Now now you're talking – you're missing part of the season. Well, but, that kind of that goes into the point right there, though, because if you're only going for two days, why go change up everything for two days? Traveling, that's fatigue on your body. Who knows how your body's going to react if you're flying there? You know, I mean, Reggie Ragland dealt with issues last year heading into the season because he was on so many PR trips and stuff that he had swelling in his knees because he was going to and from Mexico and flying all over the place on short on such short stints. And since he was coming off a knee injury again, you know, that caused inflammation in his knee and it ultimately caused him to sit out the beginning part of camp and mainly through the summer. And then he had a slow start to the year. So it's just those little things that can really affect you, even if it is only two days. Hey, he's going to be there all summer. He's going to get to know the team. He's going to hang out. They're going to have all year. I mean, what's two days? You know, keep doing your thing. Keep focused. He did miss a season of football. He's a smart guy. Kind of, you know, the whole money situation didn't really work out for him. I don't know, Jim. I see the look from Treese there. Uh, I just, I don't think it's that big of a deal just because it is involuntary workouts. You don't have to be there. I do get the point of Hey, you sat out for a year already. Go be with your team now. Let let me ask you guys this. Let's put you guys in his shoes. If you're a player in his exact situation, it's your prerogative to handle it however you want to. But let's just assume Austin's right in his line of thinking here. All you've got to do is make a comment, send out a tweet, take 60 seconds and type up a tweet. Would you take the time to do that, to clarify to fans and people like us that are wondering what's 
what's going on or just say fuck it and just do your thing. I don't think he owes any fan shit, to be honest. I, I think that he can just do whatever he wants. As long as he communicates to the team, right. that's all that fucking matters. Um, but if it was me, I would have gone. I get, I see Austin's point 100%, but me personally, I, I and really, most of the time, I wouldn't go to voluntary minicamps if I was a player, except for if it was my first year yeah. with the team, because I no, want to set this example or precedence that like i'm a team guy that's just me exactly and you, you said that even with like telvin smith and jalen ramsey i think both it's not one or the other it is really comes down to the individual player in the circumstance so yeah i i know what you're saying cool all right boys we haven't done this in a couple episodes just because of the draft let's go let's do some trivia time so pretty simple whoa, 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 question whoa. not trivia tree civia Oh, yeah. Tree Sibia. My apologies. Give yourself some credit here, sir. Give yourself some credit. (laughs) Um, This is actually pretty... I I think that you guys will probably guess this one. It's not not too difficult. It might take you a guess or two. All right. So, since 2014, which running back has broke the most tackles? Or, sorry, forced, forced the most missed tackles. Those are two different things, so... Force the most missed tackles, and how many do you think they are? Um, LaShawn McCoy for you know the most missed tackles. I believe that's a fair guess. It is a fair guess, but you are incorrect there. Hmm, is this a trick question? Because since two thousand when? Fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. Adrian Peterson. Nope. Johnson out of Arizona. David Johnson is Thank you, not David Johnson. He is that is not the correct. That would be super impressive considering he's only played two years of football since in his NFL career. <laughs> you gotta love it, boys. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. All right, I will tell you this: he is now retired, or is he? Or does he want to come back? We don't know. Marshawn Lynch. God, Marshawn Lynch. What? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. No with, way. With 214. And 197 of those came on that one play against uh, the Saints in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, sadly, that I think that was uh, pre-2014. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it's 2008, all no big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. But anyways, that just shows how good Marshawn Lynch has been. Leading since 2014, and he missed a year because he was retired for a year. So there you go. Like I said, nothing, nothing fancy today. Um, I really need to get better at some of these trivia questions. I think. No, guys. that was that was pretty good, you know, because Derek Johnson. God, I can't believe it wasn't him. So, can't believe it wasn't Derek hard to Johnson. Do it as a linebacker, you know what I mean? Uh, David <laughs> Johnson's who I meant, and uh, he's only played two seasons because another one was an injury. And uh, we'll just go ahead and move on from this into the next one of. What a question we have. Uh, the question is, how do you guys think the Utah boys will fit in the Seattle's defensive scheme? Uh, these players are Cody Barton and Marquise Blair. Uh, you guys are the Utah boys yourselves, so why don't you guys go ahead and share your input on who do you think will be a better fit in Seattle and how successful they'll be eventually going down the road? Yeah, so Marquise Blair, I think, is going to be a great safety for them. He fits exactly the style that they want to run. 
And I think that he's going to end up being the starter at free safety. And right now he, he's behind Thompson. But he's going to end up starting there. The other one is Cody Barton. That's a that's a more of a tough one because he is a strong side linebacker, but they have KJ Wright there. So are they going to try to move Cody Barton to the weak side linebacker and take over that Mar- Markevious Mingo situation and start? I think that's probably what they end up doing. I think Barton is athletic enough to take on that weak side linebacker or maybe even KJ Wright move over to the weak side linebacker and Cody Barton stay at, si- at strong side. But um, if you had to ask me, I would say that Blair starts the season at safety and Barton probably starts uh, as a second stringer and then moves into that starting role. But that's just me. Dude, Marquise Blair is one of the hardest hitters you'll ever see. But his big thing with uh, playing at Utah is the targeting. Do you think that that's going to – how will that change for him, Treese, in the NFL? Is it – it won't because there's no such thing as targeting in the NFL. Yeah, so it, you don't have to worry about getting kicked out. Yeah, you might get a penalty, but you're not going to get kicked out of a game. Exactly. There were so many Utah games where it's just like, dude, it's it'd be, sure it'd be nice to have Blair out there, but yeah, dude, he I think he's a really good player, very hard hitter and doesn't have to worry about that shit anymore. All right, so that was our Twitter question tonight. Um anybody that wants to ask us any more, feel free to do that on Twitter at Talking underscore football. That's where you can find us. And I think that wraps up our episode tonight, boys. So good work. And right after this, actually, we did have an interview with a player that Austin and Doug were able to do the other day. So I'll let Doug introduce him and you guys all enjoy that. And you guys enjoy the rest of your week and we'll be back next week. So thanks for tuning in tonight. We've been talking football. Awesome. So I'm here, Doug Anderson, Austin Cunningham. We're here today with Gage Ferguson out of Utah State. He plays safety, and he is now signed to go and hang out with the Kansas City Chiefs, play for them, get to meet some of their coaching staff, and uh, keep living the dream. Gage, how how was your weekend? Uh, it was awesome, man. I, um, it was a lot of different emotions, but um, overall it was great. Um like to make a little correction i have yet to sign with kansas city okay um, i do have a mini camp invite and so i just like to clarify that i know a lot of places it got put out but i got signed and I'd like to take the opportunity if i can to make the correction if i can and so i'm looking forward to the hopefully sign in the near future but um as of right now i just have an invite to come to mini camp right on well i mean i've seen i've seen you play watching some of your tapes so i know you're gonna give it your all to get that opportunity man um, of course of course man so that just brings us straight. I mean, we're talking football, and uh, that just brings me straight to a question. What has been, like, your main drive to just keep pursuing football? Mostly is just what's given you that drive to want to make it your career, your life. Um, I've always felt passionately about football since I was um, a little kid. As long as I can remember, man, I just – uh, it's always kind of been my out and my way to express myself. And um, I've always just loved everything about the game and learning things about it. And uh, I'm still learning so much about football and I, I, I love it. And I think that um, I think you have to have that to obviously play 
um, in, at a college level or, you know, hopefully at an NFL level or a professional level. But I wouldn't say that my love for the game is solely my per, or my my motive. Um, my love for the game is absolutely there, and I have that. But um, I say my motive for what keeps me going when things are hard or, um, you know, through the tough stuff, um, I would say my family. And um, particularly my, my two little brothers that I lost in a car wreck when I was 15. Um, okay. And so they're really close to me family is very close to me and um they're all sort of who i do it for and and do it with and they're a huge factor in all this i can't even imagine what um losing your brothers must have been like but i can't imagine that every time you're out on the gridiron you're doing your hardest you're doing it for them um which i bet when you so one of my favorite plays from you from this last year is when you intercepted that pass against Michigan State in the third quarter and took it back for a pick six. I was just, yep. I was so elated. I was so stoked. I was like, oh, heck yeah, dude, they're coming back. This is going to be great. So, I mean, just probably the the level of emotion and how that probably felt just was amplified in that moment because it that was a fun game, man. As, as heartbreaking as I know that it was for you, but it was still a fun game. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a blast and uh, to make that play um, it was honestly it was so much emotion. I didn't even know how to react. It just, <laughs> um, the game was so intense and it was such a key play. And um, afterwards I really didn't know how to even feel about it just because I knew there was so much ball left to play. And uh, I mean, it felt amazing obviously, but um, fortunately, like you said, it would have been nice to come away with the win. Yeah. But Hey, uh, th- I think a few weeks later, you guys, uh, Kick the trash out of BYU, which for me, I'm not a BYU yeah. fan. So when that <laughs> happened, we were. So the other guys that we do the podcast with, they're not on right now, but they also are not fans of BYU. And they definitely wanted to give you a cheers to that one. Say good job for kicking their trash. Well, well good. Good. I always like to hear when people aren't fans for BYU. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're um like we said, we're we're in Salt Lake, Bountiful area. Um yeah. so whatever team is playing against BYU, we're always gonna root for. There you go. Awesome. Well, hey Gage, um, I'm gonna go ahead and take this back to this last weekend. You know, of course the NFL drafts here, but I wanna take it a little further past that and kinda just explain the entire process of everything's been for you, you know, like all the training, the workout, the mental aspect of it. And then kind of can you get into when you when you found out you were invited to the Chiefs minicamp and how you received that invite? I don't think a lot of people understand how that process really works. So if you could explain that too, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Of course, our regular season ended, and I, I knew um, we were going to bowl game. The bowl game was announced, and it was late. And so I kind of started thinking about um, what was next for me. And, of course, I wanted to pursue the NFL. So I had um, been in contact with a few agents. And it was kind of just exploring my options and didn't like anything that I had on the table. And a former player at Utah State that played my position had an agent that I think he liked quite a bit. And I think he did a lot of good things for him. So I actually reached out to this agent and got his contact information through some other players. Reached out to him and asked him if he would, if he would be my agent for me. And he said, well, I don't have, a, I don't have like a budget for you. I can't if you're asking for money because because you might not know but if some players need money between the time they because a lot of players are graduating in December 
And so they need money to help them go through training or they need a place to train or they need a meal plan. He's like, I can't do any of that for you. And I said, that's all right. I don't need any of that. I just need you to work for me and I'm going to work for me. And that's all I need. And so I, I trained here at the school with, um, uh, Joe Powell. He's one of the uh, assistant strength coaches up at the university. And, um, we put a, we put a plan together and fortunately I'd been taught how to uh, do my nutrition pretty well. So I did my own meal plan and kind of took over from there. And the training was, was awesome, but it was, it was brutal, um, mentally more than anything. Cause you're, you're trying so hard and striving so hard to be perfect for pro day and to be ready for a shot, but you don't know if you're going to get it. Whereas every other time in your life, when you're training, you know, you have football season coming up. So it's kind of this weird experience where you're spending all this time and investing all this time and energy and resources into something that it's not guaranteed. Um, but you know, I felt passionately about it and I knew I could give myself a shot. So I kept working hard and, um, pro day came and went and I felt solid about my, my numbers and my results then. And, and then we had a month left until the draft weekend. So I just kind of kept with the same meal plan and, um, workout stuff. I substituted some of my workouts with more on-field, um, football related workouts to get ready for, um, camps and to play actual football instead of pro day. Cause obviously they're very different. So then the day finally came and, um, I, I knew I wasn't going to be a first or second round guy or third or anything like that. So I was pretty chill. You know, I was trying to minimize stress and anxiety and all those uh, nerves and stuff. When you know it's a big week and you're going to find out, you know, what you're maybe going to be doing for the next little while here, whether you're going to be using your degree or playing football and you don't know until then. And, um, so the weekend came and I really just tried to live my days pretty normal and, um, uh, spend time with my wife and some friends and just hung out and, um, and then the draft came and went and, you know, I just tried to stay calm. I was at my house, kept my phone on me and about 45 minutes after the draft and me and my agent had been talking back and forth. Like, um, if you hear anything, I'll let me know. If I hear anything, I'll let you know. And so, uh, about 45 minutes went past and my agent calls me up and says, Hey, uh, the Kansas city chiefs, um, are interested and they would like to bring you into minicamp. And I said, okay, that sounds great. And so he says, okay, we'll stay next to the phone. We're going to, we're going to keep trying and see if we can get any, get any other deals or see if any other teams want you or to actually sign you. And, um, that was all that came up that weekend. And so, um, hopefully some other, some other opportunities will come up if this doesn't work out, but I'm really excited about my opportunity with the Kansas city chiefs really thankful that they called and are bringing me out this weekend. And um, I feel really confident going out there that um, I'll be able to do what I need to do. Man, that's awesome. Um, that's really cool to hear that, you know, you kind of went through that entire process mainly on your own and, you know, paying for everything. I didn't realize that agents actually gave players money in that gap to, for training and everything for the draft. So that's really cool to learn as well. Um, what are you most excited about though, heading into Kansas City. And you said, uh, I believe, before the interview that you come in on Friday. Um, do you know how long you plan on being in Kansas City and kind of how that process is going to develop? Or are you just kind of rolling with the wind and going where you, you know, you're told to go right now? So, yeah, I'll leave Friday morning, get there about midday in Kansas City, and um, I'll stay there and come back Monday morning. So it's about a three-day ordeal, and 
I'd say I'm just mostly excited to go play football, man. I feel like it's been so long. It's been the longest gap in my life that I haven't played football in years because now that I'm done with college, I didn't have a spring ball. So I've just been training, and it feels like I just haven't played football in so long. And so I'm really excited to just get on the field, put a helmet on, and, and play the game again. And um, I'm excited to do it at a higher level and uh, in front of new people and uh, you know, prove more people that prove to more people that uh, I can play football at a professional level and uh, so I'd say that's what I'm excited most for heck yeah man I mean I imagine you probably have that itch really bad you just want to get on the field do everything you can to prove yourself out there which I bet you're going to do great at um is there is there anything that like coaches maybe other players you've talked to that they've said hey get ready for this at the next level anything specific that they've like warned you about or told you to get ready for so the two things that come up, um, I had a buddy last year who, Down Levitt, who went to the Oakland Raiders minicamp, and then he was successfully invited back to camp that season. Um, he is one of my best friends. He told me, um, first off, he's like, they're going to give you like a, like a small playbook or they're going to give you things to memorize, whether that's defenses or um, route concepts and patterns. And he says um, to really pay attention to those, to memorize those, to get 100% on the tests and do all this stuff cognitively as well as you would physically. And then point number two would be um, to be in shape because it's a grind and you want to look ready and obviously uh, your performance is going to be measured. And so those are the two things that I've kind of been preparing for and looking forward to showcasing. I imagine it's just going to be just a crazy weekend, man. And I know you're going to do great with it. Uh, was there, I mean, other than maybe the Michigan State game, wasn't it? But in regards to the games that you have played um, for Utah State, has there ever been just one game that you're just so proud of that you are able to accomplish just everything and you felt fulfilled with? I got a couple probably. I, um, the, first one, the first one that comes to mind would be um, New Mexico um, of my junior year. I feel like I just had a breakout game. I had my first sack. Um, I thought I just played, you know, my position perfectly. And it was just uh, just a really fun game, really emotional game for me in a good way. Um, it's just one of those games that reminds you why you play football and how much you love football. Another one that comes to mind would be BYU this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> just because I'm really be happy not a BYU to hear. fan. <laughs> I went to their camp when I was in high school in the summer and I performed extremely well. I had friends that played there and I knew, I knew people at BYU and um, I, I, I knew I performed extremely well at their summer camp. And I was, at the time I was uh, playing running back and safety at their camp and the running back coach had come up to me and asked me my name and shown interest and said he was going to get back to me at the end of the camp. It was a couple day camp. And he came up and said, oh, we don't have any uh, scholarship opportunities, but we have like a walk-on opportunity available for you. And I just said thank you. But I remember just being really frustrated knowing a lot of the kids at the camp had been offered already and that I feel like I outperformed them and feel like I deserved more than a walk-on opportunity there. So I've always kind of had a chip on my shoulder for BYU um, more than I already did. And honestly, that's truly why I'm not a fan of them is because of that day. And um, so to go down there and, and – uh, thump them my senior year and um, <laughs> play some good hits and make some plays and 
um, just kind of hear the crowd be silent um, was really rewarding for me, and I like that. It was fun. I mean, I can't say it enough. We're not BYU fans. Um, <laughs> I think mainly just the school. Some of the players that have come out of there, though, they're really great guys. Nothing against them. Um, no, not at all. Not, and not against the coaches either. I, I know some of the coaches there. and a lot, I still have one of my friends playing there. Great people. It's just, it's just BYU. Yeah. So you at least have a chip on your shoulder. That's a real reason. For us, it's just because they just – so I'm a University of Utah guy. Some of the other guys are too on this podcast. So that's why when we say whoever plays against BYU, we're rooting for them. Um, but I, yeah. you brought up that New Mexico game with that sack. So finding film, at least from just a normal innocent, like a, just a bystander that has nothing to do with the Utah State program, is really hard sometimes, especially online, just YouTube, things like that. But yeah. that one sack that you got, though, on New Mexico State, one, you made their running back look like an idiot for not checking first to try and block uh-huh. you, ran right past them, and that was such a beautiful sack. So I'm so glad you brought yeah. that up because you got well, after thank him. You. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, hey, man, I think that wraps up all the questions we have for you. Um, You know, first off, again, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to us. We do appreciate it. Um, You've gotten new fans here from the Talking Football guys. Wishing you nothing but the best going forward. You know, kick some ass. Good luck. You know, you're going to love Kansas City. The atmosphere is awesome. Is awesome. I don't know what I – I think I just said awesome there. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, it's going to be great, dude. No you're going to love some Kansas City barbecue. Don't be scared to try it out. Q39 or Joe's. You're the third person that told me that, so I'm going to have to try the barbecue for sure. Dude, it is so good. I just moved up here last summer, so when I tell you to, like, try it out, like, just go anywhere. Because, I mean, anywhere here is going to be good because they're all competing to be the number one, so they're always going to be presenting their best night in and night out, especially on the mm-hmm. weekend. So check it out, dude. I'm happy for you. Excited that you get the opportunity to be a Kansas City Chief. Show them what you got. Kick some ass again. And, uh, again, thank you for taking the time to meet with us. Hey, well, thank you guys. Thanks for the opportunity to get on your show. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.